Mighty Whites podcast is recorded at the Medicine Room Studios. For more information, visit medicineroomstudios.com. Hello and welcome to episode 120 of the Mighty Whites podcast. I'm Jack, as always, joined by KC. Now How's things, mate? All good? Yeah, pretty good, thanks. How about you? Yeah, really good. Other than shooting 108 playing golf earlier, you know. It could have been worse. It could have been however many I shot, which I think was slightly more, but I haven't counted. Yeah, that was a bad day, but you know. It happens. Uh, it makes it easier when you support Leeds United, so you can just think about football and instantly be in a better mood. Uh, we'll get straight into it um, because obviously we've one to go and one to preview quite quickly. So Burnley nil, Leeds four. That was a lot easier than I expected it to be. Even though I actually did predict a four nil win, I didn't expect to be right. Uh, yeah, yeah, you made. It. Such a precise call as well. But if Bailey Peacock fouls in goal, Leeds score four, and, and they did. And outside of the first 10 minutes, we were dominant throughout. Yeah, like um, I don't think we were necessarily four goals better than them, but I thought we were comfortably better. Uh, as the first 10 minutes, they pressed us quite well and we didn't really get out. But from then on, other than that one... Re- I, he made a good save from Goodmanson as well, but that one really good save from Vidra at 1-0, that's the only like really difficult save Melier had to make. Yeah. The rest of it, even when they came forward, they never really looked a threat. Yeah, fairly comfortable afternoon for, for Melier at the end of the day. Um, it's one of those things where... Obviously, the kind of, you know it's kind of the joke that but uh, Burnley has something of a throwback with their four four fucking two and their two big centre backs and everything. But you know we just played the way we do and it worked really well. Yeah, I, I, I don't think there was a whole lot to it. No, I thought it was up there. For, I think it was probably the best we've played in a back three. Because we normally don't look that fluid and we don't attack that well when we're in the back three. But I suppose the, ga- the way the game was means that they were having to push forward and at that point it really suited us. Yeah, def- definitely helped getting the getting the first half goal. Um, what was that, about 20 minutes in or something? I can't remember now. Well, Click- Click's goal was like 44. Ah, yeah, so oh, fair enough. Yeah, it was like... Um, that, sh- that shows how uh, how much we've de-stressed in this season now. It's early in the season when all the pressure's on, you remember everything. And now there's no real pressure on it. You just forget about stuff. As it, There was no real clear-cut chances for anyone except for that Strauk header from the Phillips cross from the short corner. Which I, don't think- I, I don't know. If Alioski hits the target, it's a good chance. If he doesn't hit uh, it out for a throw-in. Yeah, it was one of the worst finishes I'll ever see. But I think there was an offside in build-up anyway, wasn't there? So, yeah, true. But yeah, that was one of the worst finishes that you'll ever see. He had an interesting day, Alioski. We'll come to that <laughs> later. Um, but yeah, 1-0 up just before half-time. Llorente uh, won the tackle, but Rafinha basically brings us out like 1-2 in the right-back area and runs the ball out to halfway. Burnley have pushed forward and they're a bit out of shape. Plays it inside to Click. And Click just... He doesn't sprint forward with the ball. He just jogs forward with the ball from the halfway line to about 22, 23 yards out with no one making a tackle and them just backing off and backing off and backing off. And it was the it was like almost a quote-unquote click goal. It's exactly the way you think of him striking a ball. Just touch inside, curl it around the defender into the corner. It was very um, the goal away at Derby in Bielsa's second game. Yeah, I mean, when you say a, a click got a click finish, it's uh, a click finish from the last couple of seasons. A click finish this season is uh, typically about five yards over the crossbar. But mm. yeah, like you say, he just he just carries it forward, and then it's not until he gets about twenty five yards out, Tarkovsky steps out, and and click just bends it around him. And I don't know if that 
means Peacock fouls just slightly unsighted when he hits it. But, I tend to put that more down to the fact that Peacock Farrell can't save shots from outside the box, and we know this. <laughs> we know this to be a fact. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a nice finish there, nice to the corner. Um, it, it's one of those strange things where obviously we've caught Burnley on the counter with with numbers forward, but it's it's strange to think a team like that just not closing someone down once they got thirty yards from goal. Yeah, it's not the sort of thing you'd think when you think of Sean Dyche's Burnley backing off and being really hesitant to try and do a piece of defending. Yeah, but uh, like I say, nice nice finish from Click and, it, you know, capped off. Well, it's capped off a wonderful season for him now at this point. That's, uh, as we'll come on to, that's him done. Yeah, um, it's such a, it's so important. When you get a goal just before halftime like that, it really does make a massive difference. It just it took it from being a bit nervy to all of a sudden, ah right, I think we I think we're okay here. Um I say the second half we were on top the from really the whole time. This is when Melier did make that really good save from Vidra when he went left foot across goal and he saved it with his leg. That was a really good save, although I still think Vidra fouled Strauch in the build up. So it should have never got there in the first place. I think I think Vidra with that did himself a disservice because he he takes one extra touch before he hits it and he and he just narrows his angle, makes yeah. it a lot harder for himself. Yeah, it wasn't an awful finish either, but yeah, if he'd have taken it earlier, he would have had a better angle. Uh, but lead doubled not too long after corner cleared to Alioski, who hits a much better shot than the one that went out for throwing. It was still going five yards wide, but it was it was much better. Um, but uh, Jack Harrison with a really good little flick to divert it into the corner. He seemed um, very hesitant to celebrate, which makes he must have thought he was offside because he definitely meant it. Yeah, I, I'm guessing he didn't realise that. I think it was McNeil had, had come off the post and was was sort of jogging up behind him. But was, I'll, you tell know, you, was a- I'll tell you who else didn't realise that McNeil had come off the post. Dwight McNeil. <laughs> who had who decided to really appeal for it as did Peacock Farrell who was looking at the two defenders that have just come off each post and were playing him on side by about four yards he just he doesn't dive for the ball just hands straight up in the air oh yeah there's, there's something I, I actually respect about Dwight McNeil's appeal there as the man who is playing him on by two yards <laughs> I kind of respect that thinking yeah. of, of well if I put my hand up it might go my way was it it's McNeil basically reacted like a cat that's fallen off the sofa. What What do you mean? <laughs> of course it is. It's completely deliberate, and of course I wasn't playing him on. What are you talking about? So um, Someone who um, who I'm loath to give any sort of credit for as well, because I've seen this a couple of places, those who were watching Match of the Day, that know that Karen Carney was on, you know, avid lover of Leeds United that she is and, and we reciprocate those feelings yeah, I think it, it's it's gone long enough now she said something really really stupid but loads of them do it's I, done the, now is that well the, the thing was I like I saw enough tweets and by that I mean like five or six of people going oh there she is again saying it's a lucky finish from, oh from my Harrison God. sorry Brentford just missed a uh, completely open goal in the playoff oh, semi-final yeah. <laughs> oh dear <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah I, I think a few people have misconstrued what she said is Leeds get a bit lucky Alioski's shot which is going wide and then she says Harrison does really well to God that is a bad miss yeah <laughs> Sorry, God um, but, but and she does say Harrison does well to redirect it in and mm. I think a number of people heard Leeds got lucky through Harrison's goal. That, that that's not what she said. Yeah, it was a uh, was there a bit of confirmation bias going on. Yeah, um, you know, I, listen, I'm all for slacking off pundits when they say stupid things, but that that was not one of them. That was a totally reasonable thing. That the poorly hit shot was well de- was well redirected. Yeah, um, if the first two goals were good goals and put us on top, goals three and four were like the party pieces that really. It, it sort of, as I say, we, it made us feel like we were four goals better, even if over the course of the game we maybe weren't. I mean, I think the XG was like one and a half to two and a half or something. So, like, we were better side, but 4-0 maybe was a bit flattering. But when you score, when, when you score two goals like this, you feel like you should have won about 8-0. 
the first one, obviously, Rodrigo at this point has come on for Bamford, who Bamford occupied defenders well. He made lo- he made loads of runs, but he had a bit of a quiet game. Didn't really get into it. Uh, Harrison plays a like really well struck, like quite pacey ball into Rodrigo's feet. And Rodrigo's first touch to go between Ben Mee and James Tarkovsky is absolutely perfect. Just takes him away. For, it's not just that he goes past them both. He goes past them both and he's three yards clear of them in a second. And then Peacock Farrell comes out and he just chips it over him. I'll tell you what, it's almost like he's some like major international striker for a, ma- for a massive nation. <laughs> yeah, the, if you were, if people were ever in doubt about Rodrigo's confidence, having had a bit of a stop-start season for us this year, uh, mm. this finish should, and, and the next one as well, should leave people in, in no doubt that that man is not short on confidence. Yeah, it was a brilliant goal, and I was really pleased to see it, because obviously everyone knows that he's got all the talent in the world. It's just everyone's wondering, is he really going to fit with the way we play? And there's been a lot of things so far that suggest no. But these last couple of games, going back up front, it seems to be uh, seems to be looking good. And get, go for the the party piece was more Phillips's driven half volleyed pass to Harrison, which was just ridiculous in the build up. He hit it. He hit it so well. And so clean. The ball never seemed to get above about five feet off the ground, but it stayed at the exact same height for about 60 yards. It was hit so well. He Harrison takes a touch, comes inside, good through ball with his right foot. Rodrigo runs onto it, goes around Peacock Farrell, tucks it in. Very much party time. Yeah, with Phillips's pass as well, it's the speed in which he sets himself up to play that pass. There was no dallying around on the ball. He knew where he wanted to put it, and he put it exactly there. Yeah. Ali's messaging saying that ball was a thing of beauty. It absolutely was. Uh, that's one of them where you don't often get to react to a pass. I'd have loved to have been fans because it had got a, oh. <laughs> I think from a number of people, you got a, oh, God. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. <laughs> Look at that man. Look at him. Now put him in the England team. Yeah. We don't need to say squad anymore because unless there's an injury, that's already nailed on. Yeah. Um, yeah, lovely. And again, Rodrigo, just the confidence to dribble around Peacock Farrell, who... Can we apportion any blame to him for any of these goals? Was he poor with them? Um, I mean, I'd like to apportion some blame to pick up foul for the first one, just because, again, another one where called it. And it wasn't just me. Everyone, as soon as he was confirmed as playing, was saying, right, shoot from outside the box. Just do it, because we'll score. So I'm just, even though I don't really think that was his fault, I'm going to find a way to blame him. Uh, second one. Well, yeah, he didn't die for the ball. He just stood there with his hand in the air. That's not great. Uh, the third one, make yourself big, Bailey. Why are you dropping down to let someone chip you? <laughs> Fourth one, either be out quicker or stay on your line. Yeah, for all his fault. <laughs> Take that, you Northern Irish bastard. You know what? We got lucky. We didn't deserve any of the goals. There were four goalkeeping outs from Vicott Fowl. He's rubbish, that kid. <laughs> there is part of me wonders how are you, like, how are goalkeepers? Worse stopping shots from outside the area. Like, you've got more time and everything for this, surely. That's that's because I would say goalkeepers aren't. Bailey Peacock Farrell is. <laughs> <laughs> I've I've seen. I've, I don't think I've ever seen a keeper who is because like he's all right on penalties and he made some really good reaction saves on close ones. But if it was from distance, he was just useless. Is it like when Raheem Sterling's got no one closing him down and you can just see it in his head going, oh God, there are so many things I could do. Yeah, he has got better at it, but there, were, there is a lot of times where you'd back him more from the edge of a box with two defenders in front of him than you would one-on-one with keeper running 30 yards under no challenge. Yeah. It, it, there's it's, just... it's the Bradley Johnson philosophy. Like, If you give that man no time on the ball, he's fine. He can play in- instinctively. <laughs> Let that man have the ball for about four seconds. Yeah. And he he is given too many options. We're one step from the Glenn Hoddle at half time when Spurs were 3 0 up against Man United. 
Um, but yeah, this was just a really good performance, and you don't expect to get such an easy time of it of it off Burnley. Uh, I am sure that Sean Dyche will have been fuming with this one. Yeah, but you you'll never know because you never really get that change in tone in his voice. That's true. I mean that if if his normal voice is that, imagine what he's like when he's really angry. Uh, Sean Dyche, we'll we'll come on to it now because uh, he was involved with it. Right, there's a lot of this. There is a caveat before we get into all of this stuff with Alioski being reported to the FA for, and it's it says a racist gesture is what it says. So there is a caveat that I'm going to say at the start of this. Everything that we're about to say is unless there's something more to it than has currently been made public. Because there is always a chance that there was something that we didn't see. But every single piece of media stuff, uh, and Marcelo Bielsa in his press conference today said, it is the same information you have in the media. It has been photographed and described. So we are basically talking about Alioski do, going nah, to someone. Careful. And, and like, and I, it's been reported. Sean Dyke said that he witnessed, he acted as a witness to the report, but he didn't act as a witness to the incident. Uh, there was a weird report in the Times that said the that they'd heard that the report was not made by M Dwight McNeil, nor was it made by any of the players on the pitch. But Sean Dyke specifically said it was made by one of his players. So I think the Times might be talking bollocks. Um, when you first saw the incident, what was your reaction? Uh, I believe it was the same of yours, and I burst out laughing. Because, yeah. because it's a 29-year-old pulling the sort of faces you might pull at a baby to make it laugh. Yeah, or that a six-year-old might... Because a six-year-old can't really, doesn't know how to conjugate calling someone a knobhead or something. So they'll just go, idiot. <laughs> I'm going to say some of the schools I've worked in, your, your beliefs are wrong, Jack. There, okay, are many, yeah. there are many six-year-olds who, who know how to uh, articulate those feelings. Yeah, but it was just a weird one. Like, for instance, like uh, Paddy Power's Twitter account tweeted out the picture and said, a 29-year-old man doing this might be the best moment of the season. And I, I saw them actually, someone quote tweeted that tweet underneath one of the stories about it being a racist gesture. And like Paddy, this is on Paddy Power's official account, so they're having to be, I know that they're most, not the most PR savvy for things like this, but going, wow, I don't really see how this is being suggested. Yeah, uh, I, I, I think between, like you say, the stuff that's been put on social media by either media outlets, betting companies, sports accounts, that sort of thing, the reactions of commentators, both yeah. during the game and during match of the day, um, there, there, there were no reactions there that would indicate that there was any level of certainly racial abuse in there, let alone and anything else. It, it just seemed to be the 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 inkling of a twenty nine year old man child who who has been known to do some strange things in his time here. Mm. Um, and and the fact he also repeated the gesture to Ian Wone. Yeah. So, like, I, because that was after I can only assume. Like I don't know the exact time frame of when he did that to the bench. Because I only saw that after. Was that after he got spoke to by the ref with Ailing? Uh, again, I, I couldn't say. I haven't seen. I've just seen an isolated clip of of him doing it to towards Ian Wone as well. But yeah, because that's all I've seen. But I'm wondering because I'm assuming that was him going. Why have I been reported for going like that? Uh, so it's it's a really odd one, this, because... Like, I want to say something first, because I have seen the problem... Obviously, this is the way Twitter is, and you do hear it. I've seen people going, oh, God, Dwight McNeil... And we don't actually know that it was Dwight McNeil that reported this. We know we a know. Burnley player. We know a Burnley player did. Uh, but 
for argument's sake, let's say it was Dwight McNeil that reported it. I've seen a lot of people going, oh, they should ban McNeil for falsely accusing someone. No, he hasn't falsely accused someone. Now, I think that he has probably got... If you ask him what my opinion is based on the footage I have seen, stuff like that, I think Alioski has pulled a really weird childish face because he's a really weird child. And I think that someone, it will, for argument's sake, say it's Dwight McNeil, has sort of seen it, but not, but basically seen something slightly different to what he has actually done. Or, you know, and if he has reported that, because that's what he's seen, he is absolutely right to report it. If he reports it and then they look at the video and go, ah, now, look, he hasn't actually done that. It's like, can you remember, it was Alioski again last season. He waved to that bloke in the crowd. Uh, well, in the stand, because I'm not sure there were any fans there at that point. But the picture that was snapped, he had his arm up in basically a Nazi salute. Because yeah. of the timing of the picture. And that went all around social media. Oh, look, and he was like, no, he's just waving at that guy. It's just the picture. So if someone saw it at the long time, it'd look really bad. And it could be that. Because the keep... The term I keep hearing is a monkey face. Now, that I have seen that gesture from kids. I've seen that gesture from people. I have never once seen that gesture... Performed in, like Performed that. to be racist to somebody. I have seen, unfortunately, because people are assholes, I have seen people do a quote-unquote monkey face to black people. And that's not what they do. It's wrong that they do it, but they tend to puff out their cheeks and, like, push their ears out. Which it doesn't make any sense, really, either, because, as um, I've heard certain comedians say, uh, monkeys look more like white people, which is true, because they have thin lips, though. <laughs> you know, it's just a fact. Uh, but I have seen that done, and that's not how they do it. I just think that people have got wrong end at stick here. But I don't think that... Whoever's made the report should be getting in any trouble for it. I don't think there should be any of that. What it probably needs is, what this really needs, If again, if it is Dwight McNeil that made the report, what it probably needs is someone to give Janny Alioski Dwight McNeil's number so it can just give him a ring. Yeah. Just And just let him talk about it for 10 minutes. Because I, I mean, look, there is always a chance that I am wrong here. And there's something more to it. But from everything I've seen, I, I don't have Gianni Alioski down as racist. I just don't. Uh, and I, this, this doesn't change my mind. This was just him being weird, I think. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, I would hope that it can just be sorted out with a conversation. Yeah, I, I think ultimately, you know, I without wanting to suggest either way, because, again, I, I don't want to take away from players' power to to bring up the issue of racism during games because I this idea that of players bringing it up and, and this this was leveled at Jonathan Lecco last time like if you accuse someone of being racism ultimately that is not going to affect that game that they are playing in like because mm. if the referee doesn't hear it they can't send them off mm. so like in in that instance there's no advantage for Char for Jonathan Lecko and, and Charlton to gain by reporting what Kiko Casilla said, because ultimately that is something that has to be dealt with off the field. So again, I, I don't want to ever discourage players from from reporting what they believe to be racist incidents, and and in this case, like you said, I'm hoping it's a misunderstanding that yeah. that, uh, that Dwight McNeil has seen something that that oh, he's just partially seen something. Um, we obviously we don't know what was said, and there was a bit of needle going on through this game. Obviously, this kind of all resulted as from a tackle that well, McNeil put on a barely a challenge. It was a dive from Alioski, and uh, and when McNeil when Alioski was laid on the floor, acting like he was hurt, which he wasn't, um, he uh, McNeil bent down and by the looks of it, shouted something in his ear. There is a couple of videos going round, and one of them it really does make it look like he spat on him. But uh, a few people, including Paddy Miller, who's played football to a very good standard, said that's not spit. That's just because it's raining. That's rain dropping down. And it does look a bit like it, but I don't think. Yeah. It. And yeah, 
But I think that that's probably right. I say I I just so I don't think he did spit at him. Uh, also, because I because it missed, it landed to the right, and I don't think a professional athlete misses from there. Somehow, uh, say that to say that to him way more from earlier, but way yeah. <laughs> um, so I don't. As I say, there is. I would rather have someone able to say something, even if they've got wrong end at stake, just so long as afterwards it's sorted. Like another thing that I really don't want to happen with this is. How long did it take after... Because the, the game against Charlton was in the September, I think, because I was in Tenerife. And he got banned in, like, what, March? I think it was... It might have been a touch earlier than that, but... Because it, well, it, well, wasn't, it, wasn't, it, wasn't, it, wasn't the first game uh, the Hull away game, where we won 4-0? Uh, or was it earlier than that? I'm sure I can't remember now. You know, it was like the second to last game without fans, I think. Uh, but it took basically, but even if it was slightly earlier, it took months and months. Unless, again, unless there is something that we're not aware of in the, that isn't in the public domain yet, this, regardless of what the verdict is, this shouldn't take long. No, like you, like you say, the, the ideal scenario would be once they've kind of collected the statements, would be most likely to, to have them sat in an, a room at the FA and talk out what happened. Yeah. But again, this is this is all with us maybe not knowing everything, not knowing what words have been traded between them. But, yeah, because like I mean, it's I mean, it could be nothing, but the one thing that is clearly on video is after it happened, Alioski saying to the ref, "Did you hear what he said to me?" Yeah, and he said it like three times. Now, whether that was "Get up, you diving little prick," <laughs> uh, which you know is perfectly reasonable to say to someone on a football pitch, uh, we'll we'll see. But I, it's just I just. Don't want this to drag on and really keep going through. Like this, the, if this is for the weird face that he pulled on the pitch, it was caught on video, everyone saw it. So you shouldn't be taking so long to piece together the evidence. You have the evidence, it's there. Yeah. Uh, so it should just be dealt with. And hopefully, I mean, from a not just from a Leeds point of view, but because I like Johnny Olioski and I really don't think that he would do that. So I'm hoping it just comes down to, oh, I saw something. I, I thought I saw him do this. It wasn't actually that. I just thought it was when I, you know, I saw it wrong or whatever it is. No worries, we've spoke, everything's fine. That's what I'm hoping comes out of this. Yeah. But, but we'll, we'll have to see when it comes to it. Obviously, we can't ignore it, but... You know, and this isn't just always oh, a Leeds player, so I want to defend him because I mean, we get, we did say that you know we'll see what happens with Kiko, and we waited until the report came out, and then the report came out, and then we said, okay, fuck Kiko Casilla. Most and, of us said fuck Kiko Casilla. Yeah, but we'll we'll see what happens with this, but hopefully, hopefully it's all sorted quite soon. Um. That I don't know if you've seen them yet because we haven't been up that long. Have you seen all the player of the year stuff is up to vote on? Uh, I haven't seen it yet, no. Okay, well, in that case, I won't even give you the shortlists in case you pick something that isn't on the shortlist and that would be funny. <laughs> I only think that's possible for one of these three categories, though. Okay. Uh, so first up, we have the Leeds United player of the year. Uh, I believe it's the Leeds United Stuart Dallas of the year, and it's Stuart Dallas. I agree, it's Stuart Dallas. That's who I voted for. <laughs> uh, the the shortlist. Um, I would say that one of one of these kind of feels like he's lucky to be on it, but in fairness, since he's been playing, he has been that good. So uh, the the list is Diego Llorente, who if he'd played like this and been fit all season would be in with a decent shout. Yeah. Uh, Patrick Bamford, Luke Ayling, Calvin Phillips, Ian Melier, Stuart Dallas, Luke Ayling and Rafinha. Did you say Luke Ayling twice? 
I did. Do you know why? Because I've put him on the list twice. <laughs> That's how good Luke's been. I could have sworn that I copied that off the website, but I must have copied it wrong. <laughs> like, I don't believe it was. I don't believe it was them. I fully believe it was me. <laughs> I have. I have put Ailing in the list twice, so may, I, I better check this now. Actually, because <laughs> knowing me, it's a uh, something different. Yeah, that's why I've written Ailing twice when Ailing was next to Harrison. Jack Harrison is the other Ailing. Oh, fair enough. Um, oh, in that case, it's Jack Harrison, isn't it? Yeah. Just because he's my boy. Yeah, I think Stuart Dallas is going to walk away with that one. Yes. Like, I don't even think it'll be close. And that's no slight on all the people around him. It's just that Dallas is. It's it's not just that Dallas has done so well. He's he's done so well. You do factor in expectations, and his expectations were not massively high coming into this season, and especially to be in central midfield. I don't think anyone saw this coming. Yeah, absolutely brilliant season on his part, and as someone who has played left back and centre mid, and occasionally right midfield. Mm. Um, and he's and, also played right, right, back, right and, back and CDM at one piece as well. Yeah, so and he's and for the most part he's been fantastic all year. Mm. And we all love Stuart Dallas. Yeah, uh, young player of the year. Um, I'm guessing it's essentially between two, and it's striker Melier mm. and. I would have Melier win. That's who I went for as well in my vote. I this is no slight on him, but this list is very much one of these things is not like the others. It's Robbie it's, Gotts, has Robbie Gotts made the no, list? It's Melier, Strauch and Paveda. Yeah. Now, Sorry, I, I, I like, like Paveda, I like Paveda, but like in terms of the, the level is it's a drop off there in terms of achievement this season. Well, you've got, you, you've got Pervader, who I'm going to say has made 10 sub-appearances this season. It wouldn't do, shock do, me if it's more than that. I, I'm going to say plus or minus two Yeah. on that. Um, but then you've had Stroik, who at this point won't be far off starting half the games this season, just because of the amount of injuries we've had to cover. He's been the only one that's been fit the whole time. Yeah, uh, Paveda has apparently played 14 times in the league. Bullshit. Yeah. But, I've, I've, you know, I, I don't, he hasn't started any, has he? So No. But, yeah, I mean, Strauk. Look, I, I've, I've liked Strauk for a while, but I did not see this coming. Like, this level of performance all season. No, absolutely not, and I don't think any of us were expecting him to be to have played as much this season. And again, as I just said, you, you've had Cock wasn't fully fit at the start of the season, and Cooper was injured, and Urente was injured. Then, uh, then Cock went out for a little bit, so he came in. Then he came back. Urente played five minutes. Then he was out. Um, Strike has, has been the only one who's pretty much been fit the whole time so mm. it's just slotted in time and again and has looked good playing with all three of them Yeah and obviously we haven't got to see it much but he played in a back three against Burnley and looked really good in that role as well I like genuinely there is I genuinely think the next season Strauch's first choice yeah, there's there's definitely a discussion to be had. Yeah, I, re I I really like Liam Cooper, and I think he's done really well, and he has got better and better because, I mean, it was before Bielsa came in, I said, is Liam Cooper good enough to start every single week in a team that wins promotion? I don't think he is, and I was wrong. Absolutely, straight up, I was wrong. And he has improved since then, and this season he's been really good in Premier League. But I think Strauch's as good as Cooper already. And he's a lot younger and he has more potential. So I think it's... I, I, I would probably finish the season. If if Cooper gets back fully fit, I might well play Cooper again. 
But I think first game of next season, I think Strauss first choice left centre-back. As for Melier, who we both think's winning it, he's, well, he's the outstanding young goalkeeper in Europe now that Donnarumma's grown up a bit. <laughs> <laughs> don't, what's Donnarumma, 24? Uh, 23, 24, yeah. Yeah. Um, there's not a right lot you can say about Melier at this point. Like, he was a 19-year-old goalkeeper that, for us, had played a handful of games in the Championship and an FA Cup game against Arsenal. And then has just moved up to the Premier League and has, has dealt with it really well. You know, there's there's been a couple of mistakes in there, but there's there's been there's not really been much that's cost us games. Now, I mean, he had he had the really bad day at the Emirates. Yeah. But, but you know, that, it's going to happen. All goalkeepers have crap games. The difference with him compared to some of the other keepers we've had is he's had a couple of mistakes and one like really poor game. But he has had so many good ones. Like he's kept, so, like, what is it, like 11 or 12 clean sheets this season? And it's not like the Veed Valve clean sheets were, where he just had nothing to do. He's made big saves at big moments. Like, you think back to like, that one at Bramall Lane. You know, when we were, it was nil-nil because we won that late on. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the best saves that you'll see this season anywhere. He's been absolutely outstanding. Uh, Ali sent us a message saying that uh, Melier makes goalkeeping look easy. And he does. He, he really, for the most part, and he doesn't seem to give a fuck. Like, uh, just... I mean, when you're that tall with that deeper voice. Yeah, true. <laughs> Do what you want. I'd kill. I'd kill for that voice. <laughs> and I don't mean so I could have it. I mean he could talk me into killing someone. <laughs> <laughs> he's, um, no, he's been he's been fantastic, and and again, he's he's just going to get better. Yeah, like if you offered me it right now, you know, de- I'm offering you a deal. He's number one in twelve years still. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'll, take, I'll stamp your hand off right now because I think he will be. One of the better goalkeepers in the world, if he carries on at this rate. <laughs> Can't get in the French under-21 team because one of the other outstanding goalkeepers is Alban Lafont. <laughs> Can't wait for, you know, in 12 years' time, he's in goal. James Milner's played right back for us. It'd be brilliant. Yeah. Uh, and the third and final category that's up for public vote, this is the one where there is a chance you could pick one that isn't on the list because there's a couple of good ones not on the list. Goal of the season. Ooh. There's, there's been some great goals this season. Yeah, we have scored a lot of bellers. That's that was one of the good things on Twitter. The number of people who were arguing about goals that weren't even on the list. Yeah, it, it's a good sign. I think I'll do I'll do a, a goal. I think will win it, and the goal I would like to win it. Mm. The goal I think will win it. Rafinha against Everton. Okay, that is on the list. Just because I think it, it one is a really nice finish, it gets a nutmeg in there, and it was it was a big goal for us. Yeah, it was the winner in a one nil. Uh, and wasn't wasn't that his first one as well? Yeah. Hmm. The one I'm going to go for, and there is a lot of bias in this. Uh, Jack Harrison against Newcastle. At the end, at Ellen Road, mm. that one is also on the list. When he just decides bollocks to this, I'm not running any further, and smashes it in from 40, 45 yards. I think it was. Yeah, in your in your head, it was from the halfway line, wasn't it? Yeah, basically. But it, like Calvin Phillips' pass, though, I think it only ever went about seven or eight yards high. It just yeah. rocketed in. Was was from the halfway line and was rising as it hit the net. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, um, I ended up, I I voted in the end because I love the goal and I just, there was something about it that I just, there was something extra to it and I don't even know what it was. I went for Bamford's third against Villa. Ah, uh, with all the footwork when he... Yeah, I love that goal. 
But I have to admit, my actual, my, I think my goal of the season isn't nominated. Because mine is, you know, the Rodrigo sliding header against Newcastle? Yes. Where it gets played wide and Jack Harrison takes one of the best first touches you'll ever see and then volleys in the perfect cross. And, mm. the header it. and I think that was an unbelievable goal and it wasn't even nominated. The other really good one that wasn't nominated that should have been, Rafinha against West Brom. Yeah. Because that's not just a curler into the top corner from outside the box. It's also really good build-up play before it. I, I would like to nominate as one goal the three goals we scored against Spurs last week. Because that's just the same goal. Yeah. <laughs> and oh, they, obviously, they didn't prepare the list ages ago because Rodrigo's first against Burnley is on it. Yeah. Yeah, which is fair. I mean, it was a, it was a great goal. Um, wait, well, this one's going to be a bit longer by the looks of it. Uh, Southampton away tomorrow, 6 pm. 6 pm on a weekday. I don't like that. That's weird. No, don't, not happy about that. But Yeah, I don't um, like that at all. So this will be. Is this the second game this season we'll have played in front of a crowd? There was, there was obviously Chelsea. Yeah. And then, yeah, I'm guessing this is the second one. So this, yeah. these are the games that got moved to allow fans in. So this will be the the fans in at St Mary's. Yeah, um, those, those Southampton fans that it's a good job. It's a good job they're safe, so they can kind of just enjoy the day because they've been god awful. Yeah, I mean, well, they obviously they they were top of the league in like October or something, weren't they? And then just dropped like a stone. But they have won the last two games 3-1. Admittedly, it was against Palace, who were mid-table, no to play for, and half the squad is leaving, and the manager, and Fulham, who are Fulham. But they have picked up a couple of wins now to sort themselves out a little bit. Uh, we meant, You briefly mentioned it earlier, but um, Leeds will be without Robin Cock and Matthias Click, who are done for the season, just because they could do with it. Yeah, which is, which is fair. Robin Cock's obviously, he played the first eight or nine games of the season with an injury then could play no more mm. um, and yeah if he's going to be going after the Euros there's no sense us playing him in these last two games no well obviously he, he was out of the last game with a knock I think it, they said his hip and that scares me a knock to the hip because of Forshaw I just think oh god that could be him forever but yeah they They've rested him. Uh, Click's already been named in like the pre-Euros squad for Poland. And Click has basically played constantly for three years or something at this point. So if he needs a little bit of a rest before Euros, that's fair enough. Uh, not everyone agreed with me, but it made me think that even though there's going to be fans there, I wonder if Phillips might only be on bench for the last game. For the same reasons. Yeah, not Scotland. for this one. I think he'll play this one. Scotland are in the Euros, aren't they? Yeah. So, well, again, there's, there's arguments for it's. It shows where we are now that we have players going to tournaments and things. Yeah, I mean, uh, Cooper won't need it as much because he's missed a few already. Alioski won't need it because Alioski is a child, and children have limitless energy. Tyler Roberts, I think he'd be fine to play. Yeah, he has. He's not played all the minutes, so he should be all right as well. Um, it's again, it's weird these games because there is nothing on the line really. It's where, it's just how high up we finish. Um, yeah, one one win guaranteed a top ten place. Yeah, I mean, nice. we we now level on games with everyone. We're two points behind Arsenal and three points behind Everton. It'd be nice to sneak one of them, sneak ninth or eighth. But God, it'd be fun. I'm not even saying I'd love it. It'd be funny if we finished above Arsenal. Yeah, I. Uh, it doesn't. It doesn't matter to me that much. But when it's because there is like two and a half, three million a position, isn't there? Yeah. So it is worth going for. But I still think we'll rest a few at the end. Like on the last game, I would hope Hernandez plays and Berardi and everyone. Uh, Southampton. Well, I mean, Harson Huttle is quite tactical. Tactically, it does the same thing over and over again, mostly. 4-2-2-2 with like, narrow number 10s instead of out-and-out wingers. 
they will drift wide, but they go for it. Although, because it had been going so bad the last few games, they have been dropping into a back three uh, with wing-backs. So, if they do that, we're still two up top. That'll mean we've got two up front and three at the back. So, we might end up in that weird 3-5-2 that I only really remember us playing against Sheffield United away. Uh, I don't really remember us playing it at any other time, to be honest. No. Um... You know, it's quite nice because we don't, at this point, we don't need to bother going through Southampton's team. Danny Ings is good. Like, right, I'm I'm glad we've covered that. James Ward-Prowse. James Ward-Prowse is really good and his set-piece is brilliant. Uh, Che Adams is a good player and because we were linked so heavily with him, that gives narrative for us to go after. Um, I really like Stuart Armstrong. I think he's a good player. I'm saying now that's the name of a manager, not a not a player. Yeah. It's too old school. Yeah, so yeah, I'm with you actually. I don't really care about their team that much. Um I like Hassan Huttle, but there's only so much credit I can keep giving him when they keep falling away like this and losing nine nil once a season and things like that. Yeah, it's bad. Yeah. Um so basically the, I suppose the thing for us is who replaces Click? I'd like it to be Jamie Shackleton. It will be Tyler Roberts. Is there an... I mean, obviously, these great, these really good performances where he scored, what is it, three goals in about 45 minutes of football have been playing up front. But is there an argument in his form for Rodrigo? Yeah, I, I, I think so. I, I think he should start one of, the, one of these last two up front. But certainly... Uh, yeah, there the, the could be the argument that he starts ahead of uh, in place of Click, but the, yeah. the fact he's the fact he's come on twice and played so well as a as a striker has been quite nice. This is no slight. I do not want Bamford dropped at all. But with us playing Tuesday and then having last game at season, I'd be absolutely fine if Rodrigo starts this one up front and Bamford's on the bench for one. Yeah, because I, 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 I don't think that that will affect his England prospects. I think Southgate probably already knows whether he's going to pick him or not. Yeah, yes, yeah, it's, it's not coming down to the last two games with his, yeah. his strikers, I don't think. And it's not as if Bamford's chasing the golden boot either. No. Like if if he was in contention for that, I'd, I'd say keep him in. But um, no, he's it, it'd be fine to to rest him for a game. Yeah. So, can you see any other changes? Because it's likely uh, a bit, it's likely to still be a back three because Southampton all, pretty much always play two up top. I don't think I don't think we'll make that many changes for. I could see us making more changes for the for the last game of the mm. season. Yeah, where I think like Liam Cooper might come back in, and I think like Jamie Shackleton might have a, a place in that one. But um. No, obviously, like you say, Cox out for the season, but he's he's not played. I didn't play against Burnley anyway, so that's there's no change there. Yeah. Um, I started just putting like a Breeling goal, just for a laugh. Yeah, why not? Yeah, to be honest, I mean, if he plays, then then add him to the list of uh, young player of the year as well. Yeah, it'll make him to feel better. I'm guessing. I'm guessing that Gellart's still injured because I would. I'd look. I really did want him to get some minutes. Uh, I'd like whether it's this game or last game. Greenwood, Somerville. I'd like them to get some as well, but we'll see. Uh, so there's not really much else to add. It's weird because these games don't matter. I, there's no real point getting into tactical nuances and stuff. Uh, what do you reckon prediction? Uh, I think we got these. To be honest, uh, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say, go back to the three-one win. Well, I when it goes well, I stick with predictions. So that means weirdly, I have to stick with Leeds win two-nil, unless for some reason Bailey Peacock fouls in goal for Southampton, and then it's four-nil. Yeah, it sounds really weird if you're like, well, it'll be two-nil. But if Alex McCarthy comes back in, yeah. <laughs> who I quite like Alex McCarthy for his, obviously his cameo at Leeds mm. because he looked like the best goalkeeper in the world 
yeah. following on from Paul Robka. Yeah. So we all loved him for it's five games he played. Five, so or, five or six, weren't many. Yeah, God, he was great. And then didn't he get sent off when he came back with Reading? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Le- leads that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, yeah. Why not? I'm trying to think who else. Who's the other? Have they got another goalkeeper? I know it's, it's Fraser but, Foster or Alex McCarthy. They've still got Angus Gunn, haven't they, as well? Ah, so they put him in. That's your 4 0 <laughs> if Angus Gunn starts. Yeah. Which is harsh yeah. on Angus Gunn. I've no issue with him. So, yeah, 2 0. And what score did you say? 3 1. 3 1. Yeah, well, hopefully it comes to it. Um, I'll look forward. Yeah, it should, it should be a decent game because. Provided they're playing something like they play really pressing football and they do try and play some decent stuff. So they should leave some room for us to play some good stuff as well. Should should be quite a decent game. Uh, hopefully it's an easy enough one. But if not, ah well, doesn't really matter. We've been great this season. Yeah. So we've, we've finished up and we are pretty much set to finish above where both of us predicted. Yeah, and we thought that we were being optimistic. I also need to go back and check what how many goals I said Bamford would get because it can't be far off. I think I said like 15 or 16. Yeah, you'd have to double mine at least to, to get close. Yeah, you weren't as confident. I'm pretty sure I said seven because I thought Rodrigo was taking over. Yeah. Right. Um, so, yeah, that'll do us for episode 120 at Mighty White's Podcast. We're on Twitter at Mighty White's Pod and the website is MightyWhitesPodcast.com. Uh, podcast will be everywhere. And any updates will you will see on our Twitter. That's the best way to see it. Uh, we also write for Through It All Together, uh, which is on Twitter at thiu. It's all lufc and Through It All Together at sbnation.com. Uh, have we all else to add, Casey? Uh, I think we've got it. Nice one. Well, I've been Jack. See you. I've been Casey. Have a good one. In a-